Hello and welcome to The Health of Our Hospitals, a podcast brought to you by the Nebraska Hospital Association. I'm Jeremy Nordquist, president of the NHA. And on The Health of Our Hospitals, we talk to hospital and healthcare leaders about the issues and challenges they're facing, as well as government officials and policymakers on the uh, impacts of the policies that, that they're passing and and how that impacts our hospitals and healthcare here in Nebraska. Today, we're joined by Lori Mazanek, CEO of Box Butte Hospital and Alliance. And as Lori will tell you, Alliance is the gateway to everywhere. Uh, Lori is a native of Alliance and uh, did her undergrad at Chadron State and earned a master's in healthcare administration from Bellevue University. In 2001, Lori joined Box Butte as the finance assistant She was promoted to comptroller in 2008 and took on the role of chief operating officer in 2013. In 2016, she served as interim CEO and ultimately was named CEO in December of 2016. Lori is an active participant uh, with the NHA. We're very grateful for her service on our board of directors. And uh, she's also participated in our leadership institute uh, through the NHA. Before we begin, let's take a moment to hear from one of our trusted NHA services partners. Hi, my name is Mike Delaney, and I help lead NHA services. NHA services is a subsidiary of the Nebraska Hospital Association, and we are committed to being the first resource to Nebraska hospitals and healthcare entities for workable, cost-effective solutions. Today, we are joined by one of our preferred partners, Bioelectronics, and I'm excited to introduce their Director of Customer Relations, Christine Whitman. Christine, welcome. Hello, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Bioelectronics is a subsidiary of the Nebraska Hospital Association since 1976. Bioelectronics provides biomedical equipment repair and preventative maintenance, as well as parts sourcing. We service various types of biomedical equipment, including general biomed, respiratory, radiology, and laboratory specialty equipment. Each account is assigned a primary account representative technician who serves as an extension of their team. We also provide a comprehensive inventory management system, both for items that bioelectronic services and also for hospital responsibility items that can be accessed via our dashboard on our mobile app. You are welcome to reach out to me directly at 402-742-8161, or you can find our contact information on our website at www.bio-electronics.com. Thank you for joining us, Christine, and we value the partnership between NHA Services and Bioelectronics. And now back to the podcast with Jeremy Norquist. Lori, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Jeremy. That was a great introduction. I appreciate that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's start out. uh, I went through a little uh, in your bio there of uh, your background, but tell us a little bit about your healthcare journey. What what attracted you maybe to the field and and how you how you ended up where you are? Sure. Um, You know, it's it's a long journey. As you mentioned, I came to Box Beat General in um, 2001. Um, Prior to that, I served in public accounting and wasn't really sure that was the fit for me. And so there was a position open. Um, at the time, it was the finance assistant. We now call it the accountant job. Um, and it just what intrigued me. And so I made the application and they hired me. It, it was a very simple interview process, nothing like we do now. And you know, here I am 20 years later, 
21 years later. Um, you know, it was people identifying leadership within me that kind of got me intrigued about leadership, you know, starting out with the simplest of committees here at the hospital when I first started. And then ultimately, um, the CEO before me saying, Hey, I can eventually see you sitting in my chair someday. And it was at that point, I'm like, Oh, I never even really thought of that. So didn't even really have CEO on, on my radar and can't imagine now doing anything else at this point. That's great. That's great. Um, so now in your role as, as CEO, I like to ask what, what keeps you up at night? Yeah. Um, um well, last night it was my volleyball team and <laughs> what can we do to get them engaged? But, right. you know, for the most part, you know, right now it's staff burnout. How can I keep my staff engaged? You know, we're seeing more, we work with Gallup and in, in employee engagement. You're seeing more about that quiet quitting. You know, I want to make sure that our staff come to work as happy and as, ga- as, as engaged as I do each day. Um, and so that's kind of what keeps me up at night. What other programs and services can we implement for our staff? Um, a year ago, it was the vaccine mandate, um, you know, masking, you know, what, what is that going to bring to healthcare? And so thankfully, we worked through that. Um, and so now it just really is staff burnout. And how can we get through the, this next phase? Yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about that. Obviously, uh, pretty much every hospital uh, in the state and probably across the entire country are facing uh, the workforce crisis. Um, talk about how your uh, steps you're taking to manage through uh, the crisis that we're facing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've got some very resilient teams. We've got long tenured staff that work here and really help us with our recruitment efforts. Of course, we rely on travel staff just as nearly almost every hospital does anymore. Um, the, the lucky ones are those that don't have to, to worry about travel staff right now. And I think they're limited. Um, I think a lot of it is, um, you know, going back to that, how can we engage staff and how can we keep them from Yes, the the dollar amounts for those extra shift incentives and everything that we have to do to make sure our patients are taken care of, but making sure they're getting a breakaway too. So how can we make sure they're staying rested and get those breaks while they're here just so we can keep them engaged and don't lose them to someone else? Um, Last week at our our district meeting in North Platte, we talked about, you know, it's kind of turned into, you know, we talked about stealing from each other and that doesn't help any of us out. So how can we work together better as a state to make sure all of our positions are accounted for? Yeah, I would say that's, that's certainly uh, something we talked about across most of our district meetings is trying to, trying to find ways to, to work together. Any, uh, any other particular lessons you learned or successes that you had along the way that you, you think uh, other hospital leaders should, should learn from? You know, I I think it's important to continue to reach out to each other, each of us leaders, um, and just say, you know, what are the things that are working for you? So staying in touch with them has worked for us. Um, The other thing for me is just truly listening to the staff of their dire needs in their department. Um, And it's not just the clinical services. It's not just the professional staff, but it's EVS. It's our dietary staff, it's, you know, some of the, even registration, you know, or admissions, um, it's impacting every um, craft in healthcare right now. And so I think just really listening to the staff and understanding, 
you know, maybe they have some ideas around it. You know, maybe we can, you know, job share in certain ways or float to different departments and maybe that's going to help balance that out. Right. Yeah. And I know you shared and I've, I've shared a few times since your story of challenging just staffing uh, mm-hmm. uh, your cafeteria and the impact that has on, mm-hmm. on your staff's ability to, to continue to, to serve patients yeah. and, um, I think a lot of a lot of people outside of hospitals think, you know, if we have a workforce shortage, it's just nurses. But mm-hmm. uh, certainly, it, it goes a lot deeper and impacts uh, all sorts of operations. And uh, when I started with the hospital association uh, last December, it was workforce, 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 and now it's kind of pivoted to financial pressures due to workforce mm-hmm. costs and other costs. Um, Talk about how uh, you would just, just kind of describe where where your hospital is in terms of financial health and and the challenges you're facing when it comes to those financial pressures. Absolutely, um, I think for the most part, Boxview General Hospital is is very healthy financially. You know, we've we've started to see a shift over the last probably three or four months now that we're paying back those Medicare Advance payments but we're getting to the end of that. And so one of the things we brought on a new CFO in March, and one of the things that he really focuses on is what is the cost of that labor rate? What's, what is our percentage of our labor rate and what should our goal be? What's that, what's that benchmark? So we're, we, we try and stay between 62 and 63%. And then, you know, we know the last couple of months, we've made been up a little bit closer to 70%. And that a lot of that is that, um, travel staff, contracted staff that we're having to bring in. The other thing that we're really focused on is our daily cash burn rate. And so what does that mean for our departments and really trying to educate our leaders on the finances of our hospital? So how can we know from month to month what we really need to take a look at? Yeah, that's right. One thing we're looking at from a policy perspective and talking to the state on is how can we maybe at least with state policy for Medicaid, which, you know, is a small piece of the pie compared to everything else, but maybe try to boost the, the upfront per diem. Um, so, so hospitals, yeah. uh, critical access hospitals don't have to sit and wait for mm-hmm. 18 months to, uh, in a high inflation environment, wait to get Absolutely. Paid for those, those costs. So, um, from your, uh, uh, perspective, what's, what's the top issue facing rural healthcare today? You know, I, I truly think between the financial impact and the workforce shortage. I think those two really go hand in hand. You know, another thing that we talked about at the district meeting is, you know, the population isn't staying caught up to even help support the workforce shortage. So, you know, how can we entice those individuals that are um, young and influential to start thinking about healthcare when we're competing with the teaching shortage and other shortages across the nation? It's not just healthcare workforce shortage, it's workforce shortage in general. And so I, I truly think if we can battle that, the financial piece will come in. Good, good, good point. Um, absolutely. Um, in your time as a hospital leader, what's what's your proudest accomplishment? I really had to think about this one. Um, you know, I think personally, it probably was obtaining my master's degree um, through Bellevue University and walking across that stage with my daughters there. Oh, wow. Um, The CEO before me told me that he did not walk and he wished he would have. And so he said, you really need to do that. And so I made a big deal out of it and and just showed my daughters how important that was to me. And um, I think they took that, took that with them too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then professionally, um, you know, continuing to grow our services and specialties pertinent to our community and, and the service area. 
one of the things that I implemented based off my master's program was a hospitalist program here locally. Um, a lot of that was in an effort to recruit and retain more medical staff, which it's done. So it's given them a little more of a work-life balance, which we go back to that workforce shortage. Yeah, yeah. Medical staff has been fairly easy to um, bring on. Um, and so that's helped. And that hospitalist program has been um, kind of a, late, a lifesaver for us, I think. Oh, that's great. Um, and then the other thing is, is for our for our staff too, is what services can we provide for our staff? And one of the things we've done over the last 18 months is change up our wellness program to a well-being program. And so adding those five elements of well-being again through through Gallup um, and really just focusing focusing on their overall health and wellness through that well-being. Right, right. That again, another another thing that's so important um, as as we face short-term and long-term uh, workforce challenges that, yeah. that investment uh, in your staff and having having robust programs like that are, are mm-hmm. critical. Um, tell us one thing that we may not know about Box Butte General Hospital. Yeah. So one thing that, that you know, the listeners and yourselves may not know is we, uh, we too have a podcast. So Box uh, Butte right. General Hospital has, has implemented a podcast over the last couple of years and it's called Over the Counter with oh, BBC. So we talk about our wellness initiatives and get people from the community. Part of our um, mission is community wellness, of course. And um, so we'll bring in various leaders that kind of help support our mission and um, offer a podcast here locally too. Wonderful. We'll have to, we'll uh, certainly uh, listen in and, and do a little promoting of that uh, yeah. on the NHA uh, social media. Uh, last question I wanted to wrap up was your mm-hmm. uh uh, active uh, board member and helped us go through our strategic planning process. As you think about the NHA, um, what's something uh, that that you think we can do, or uh, that that really helps our members, or that we do do that uh, helps our members? Yeah, yeah. So you know, I I've really gotten very interested in the advocacy side through the NHA, and that really has gotten me involved, I would say, with the board of directors and some of the other committees I sit on. So I think it's a privilege. So thank you for the opportunity, for one. Um, I think the biggest thing, you know, the NHA can continue to do is is celebrate and share our successes and our journeys through all of this, which you, you do a great job. And I think as we, you know, talked several times at our strategic planning in, in August is, you know, how can we build from that? How can we continue maybe on a larger scale to show, um, you know, what the hospitals are doing across the state? And I I saw a post on social media just last night about how thankful somebody was about the the strong um, health and wellness of Nebraska through our healthcare system. So that was, that was touching actually. So I think we're on the right track. Yeah, I, I actually just today was at a, we have a regional uh, American Hospital Association meeting called the uh, Regional Policy Boards. And that was a big part of our conversation is with all the challenges we're facing and trying to explain those challenges to policymakers. How do we how do we explain the, the core value of, of healthcare and do it together where we kind of have a, a shared uh, voice out there in that? So that's something that we're going to continue to yeah. try to work on and bring in hospital leaders like you to, to help share that message. Yeah. But we're so thankful for, for your time. Um, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to be yeah. with us and to continue to engage with the NHA. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. It was great visiting with you, Jeremy. Thanks. Thanks, Lori. And uh, thanks to our listeners uh, for tuning in to the health of our hospitals. Have a great day. 
be sure to mark your calendars for our 2022 NHA annual convention, October 19th through 21st at the Embassy Suites Conference Center in La Vista. NHA staff has put together an exceptional lineup of speakers talking about the key issues facing Nebraska hospitals today. We hope to see you there.